I'm going to present to you the preached word today, and I'm going to, I am going to purposefully truncate it in my, in my words. Uh, I'm gonna, the word speaks for itself, and it is deep. Uh, we've talked, um, Stephen and I, over the last couple weeks, and, and our church has gone through it a lot lately. And so purposefully, we're giving you the means of grace to the preached word, but also an application to remember and solidify those things through extended worship. So I'm going to try to go short today so we have more time to worship and apply these things through, through um, reminding each other what this means through prayer, through worship, through praise, through honoring the Lord by song. So your contribution during that time is needed and necessary as we worship the Lord. Amen. I'm calling this joy and strength. This is a very simple and known passage, Nehemiah 8, specifically 8.10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But uh, as I've been challenging myself and going over a lot of things inwardly for, for me, I'm going to share that with you. So please be kind to me. But um, it's, it's been uh, interesting 2021. Everybody thought that 2020 was going to be the end of awfulness and 2021 was going to be the beginning of excellence. And in the kingdom of God, we can say yes and amen because the Lord says he brings us from glory to greater glory. So I have faith for it. That doesn't mean our physical experiences here on earth get any easier. So here it is. The joy of the Lord is our strength. This is a reading out of Nehemiah 8. Have you guys ever lost your remote? You guys ever lost your remote control? It's miserable. Especially when um, your children, we don't watch massive amounts of TV in our house, but uh, we give breaks to the children. <laughs> Uh, by allowing them to watch a show or two, okay, and that's, a, that's an okay thing for us. Um, and so we, when it comes to, to that time where everybody just needs a little break and we can cuddle with the kids and just relax for a second, uh, you go to turn the TV on and it, is, it has vanished. It's disappeared. It's not even to be found. We're flipping the couches over. We're lifting cushions. We're looking in cracks and crevices. We look in kids' beds. Finally, we find, find it in some corner of the kitchen somewhere that, where it should never be. Um, it's an awful feeling, but when you find it, what do you experience? Exuberance. Extreme joy that is unrivaled in that moment. I'm going to share with you guys something. The Lord's people have been exiled, and they're coming back to Jerusalem, and Ezra and Nehemiah. And they are, they are God's chosen people, the Lord's possession. And what's taking place is they're coming back into a land and they're remembering through the law, through the reestablishment of the temple, and through re rebuilding Jerusalem, who they are and what they were meant to do by God. And it's this amazing moment, I believe, in the people where they are hit with their sin, but also are finding this re a remembrance of who their possession is, who they belong to. And so I'm going to present to us something that's called joy and strength and just remind you of where your joy is and where your strength relies. Jesus, help us today to honor you and to see your word clearly, that we may be more like you and more matured in you. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, Nehemiah 9, sorry, Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12, it reads like this. And Nehemiah was the governor and Ezra the priest. So it's kind of Nehemiah was like over civil, Ezra was over religious re areas of, this, of Jerusalem at the time, okay? Uh, the, the, at this, this moment, the wall has just been built again. The temple is established. Jerusalem is coming back. And so it's a reestablishment of the law about to be read. Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and scribe, 
And the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Because traditionally, at the reading of Scripture and on the days of, of the, the feast that, of what's happening here, it is meant to be a joyous celebration. But because of the way the people have strayed from the Lord, desecrated the law, and forgotten the principles that the Lord has instituted, when they're hearing these things, there's mourning and there's weeping. Okay, so this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. So he's saying, go eat the wine, drink the fat, celebrate. Get the best of the best, get it ready, because this is a day of celebration. Let's, let's um, honor the Lord for what he has done and celebrate remembering that is based in joy. I'm going to reread that because I fumbled all over myself. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make rejo great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. I have three positions that I want to remind us for, and then let's worship the Lord. All right? My first one is inward. I'm going to go inward, uh, up, outward, and upward, if you believe it like this. Uh, inwardly, the joy of the Lord is your strength. As we reflect upon these things and as we hear this, the law is being read to a people that has not heard it in years. And what's coming back to them is generational covenantal remembrance of who they are and of what kind of a people they were supposed to be. Set apart, holy, consecrated, and dedicated to the Lord. And they have not lived that way. So what, in the reading of the law, what they're seeing is sin and shame. And so Nehemiah and Ezra, Ezra specifically as the priest or scribe at this time is declared in this text, he's reminding them to say, your responsibility is to know, yes, there's sorrow at the way you've lived. But the reality for us is to know the joy at being brought back as God's holy possession. And so <clears throat> there's confidence that the Lord protects and there's confidence that God is with us in his presence. The Lord is our stronghold. That's actual, the actual meaning of strength there. The word is actually stronghold. And so we get another idea that as we, as we are in the Lord, there's protection in their strength. It's timing. The timing of this is impeccable because the wall was just built. They're getting attacked from their enemies. All these things were happening around them. So it's not only a physical representation and reminder. As Jerusalem is reestablished and the walls are there, now a spiritual one. The walls are built and that's well and good. But they will do nothing when it comes to your protection and to your being the people of God. It's all in the direct obedience and declaration of who you are as you obey Him. If that makes sense. So the Lord is your stronghold. You have joy in Him. One commentator says it like this, and I like it, so I'm just going to read it for you. Rejoicing in God in the manner prescribed in His word or serving Him with cheerfulness and thankfulness, which is your duty always, but now especially, will give you that strength both of mind and body, which you greatly need both to perform all the duties required of you 
and to endure and oppose all the crafty counsels and malicious designs of your enemies against you. Whereas this dejection of mind and excessive grief, if you indulge it, will both offend God and damp your spirits and weaken your very bodies and make you unfit for God's service or for your own necessary occasions and so an easy prey to your enemies. This idea of recognizing inwardly that the Lord is your strength is not a basis upon what you can do for yourself, but on who you are in the Lord, what he's called you to be. So church family, we go through sorrow in life. We go through incredible sadness in life. We go through heartbreaking moments where we just can't understand the why. At the same time, the Lord calls us to remind ourselves that we are strong in him. He is our stronghold. So as we go to him, as we know him, it's not the things physically that we build for us around us that will protect and guard us. It is knowing that we are his possession that guards us. So the walls of Jerusalem are amazing, and they'll stop the arrows. They'll stop the enemy for a moment. But really, it's recognizing again who you are as God's chosen possession that guards and protects your life from the enemy. So first and foremost, the joy of the Lord is your strength inwardly in what you remember and know of yourself. Second, outwardly. If you look at this text, it's really, truly amazing. Everything the Lord does is covenantal and communal. The United States loves to put it to the individual, right? And so I just want to show you, here's an example. The one I fumbled all over. It said, for all the people wept as they, are, as they had heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. Celebrate, have a party, eat the rich foods, do the, do the great things to recall and remember and celebrate that this is a good occasion, that we have the law of the Lord again as our staple. Eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to the Lord. Then again, the Levites remind them and, says, and said, all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. So we have those that have the ability to eat and celebrate, also caring for in this moment those that don't have the provision to do so, so that the whole community can together with one voice remind themselves of the law, remind themselves of their possession that they are God's people, and then celebrate together rejoicing that this is a holy day because it reflects and it honors the Lord because he's done this on their behalf. So there's this wonderful moment where it's not just an inward reality for us that we are God's possession. It's an outward reality that we together as a community are experiencing the goodness and the joy of the Lord, and that's our strength together, not just the things that we try to do for ourselves. <clears throat> so all people have the provision to know the joy of the Lord. It's a communal joy, not a personal application of the goodness of God. Yes, it applies to me personally, but the outflow of it is that everyone together with one voice benefits. So let's go back. Our brokenness, the reality, the sorrow is still there. I feel it in life. We feel it in things that we go through. But the reality is as we celebrate the goodness of the Lord, remember who he is, hear his spoken word again over our lives, I am bolstered in confidence and strength. And I, alongside you, we bolster each other in our confidence and strength to know that together our strength is in the joy of the Lord, not just me individually and watching a brother or sister fail. So we together bolster each other to see the greatness of who the Lord is and what he's called us to be. Praise the Lord. It's a communal dedication to the Lord. It's a communal provision to the Lord. 
And it's a communal worship of the Lord. The joy of the people as they obey the Lord benefits the entire community. I like to think about it this way, and it's very simple. But everybody gets birthday cake. When you're at a birthday party, you're celebrating. Those that are there are there because they believe if you get it, right? They're there because they're there to celebrate. They're there because they want to honor the one and whose birthday it is. And we don't just take the cake and divide it into four pieces and say, I'm just going to take the, the most because it's really mine, and then I'll share with a couple of people over here. Everybody gets a slice of that cake because all the people are rejoicing together. So, to dumb it way down, the beauty and joy of the Lord is our collective strength. We see the king and we worship him. We recognize the, the obedience, the dedication, the consecration he's called us to live to in his word. And we together pursue those things because we're stronger as one as we do it. So when I'm weak, I know that not only are you strong and can bolster me, but I know the strength of the Lord as we rejoice in him and am strengthened all the more. Praise Jesus. Birthday cake is for everyone at the party. All there believe and get to celebrate, not just the certain people or the birthday boy. The last thing we have, inward, outward as we live this together, not only in our community, but then it benefits those around us. Those that don't believe still benefit from us seeing and knowing who we are in the Lord because the mission of God is instilled in us again to live uh, out loud. Wherever we are, we're proclaiming because our lives are built upon the appropriate order of the law, the appropriate order of the word of God, recognizing what he's done and who he is. The last one is upward. I'm taking a little bit of liberty here because the text says the joy of the Lord is our stronghold. So it is pertaining to the people as they read it. But I, 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 I believe this, that it is also, if you follow my train of thought here, it is the joy, it is the Lord's joy that also gives us strength. I flipped it. You understand that? So the joy of the Lord, yes, is my stronghold, is my strength. Equally, the Lord's joy the reuniting of a broken people back to a loving father is the joy of the Lord given to us, which is strength. I am stronger because God's joy is made complete in the sacrifice of his son. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, Hebrews 12. Right? So the reality there is that joy is the re reuniting of a lost people back to a compassionate father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ as we believe by grace. So I'm taking it another way. The walls are all good. They're set in stone, literally. But the beauty is it's not the walls that defend. It's God's presence with them that does. And I'm fast-forwarding way in advance. They had the law, and they were cut to the heart at the law. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, empowering us, reminding us, refining us, uh, uniting us. And so it's not just that we have the law. We still have the word. We have what he's called us to do and the standards he's called us to live by. We also have the ability to obey them in the refinement of the Holy Spirit. And we have the victory of Christ applied to our lives as we believe. Guys, we're unstoppable. Yeah. And so the reality of the gospel is not just, for me, I feel better in this moment because I now have an attitude of joy. No, my life is now refined to be joyful constantly amidst sorrow because of what he's done and how he has transformed me to live for him. 
both for me as my stronghold, but from God because it's his joy imparted into me that I, that I live this way. It's a both and. Wow, it's the joy of the Lord that strengthens me, his joy given to us. We see this in Luke 15 where there's this idea of a lost sheep, um, a lost coin, and a lost son. All these things are lost. And every time they're found, it is with great rejoicing because it was lost and now it's come back. This is God's chosen people exiled, disobedient, idolatrous, intermarrying, totally disobedient to the law and standards of God. They were lost. They have now been brought back by the law, by repentance, by forgiveness, by sacrifice because of the faithfulness of the Lord first and foremost because the entire story of Ezra and Nehemiah is providential and sovereign. But then also the faithfulness of an Ezra and a Nehemiah to speak up. Wow. So, the joy, so in all these things, it says it was lost and there was great rejoicing, usually the same context, a banquet, a celebration, something has happened. I find my remote and there is a great rejoicing in my home. Way, way dumbed down version. But it's all taking place in the same way. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. My challenge to you inwardly, outwardly, upwardly, is how do you guys find joy? Do you derive your joy from momentary things or experiences? I'm looking forward to this game night with, with people that are in a similar station of life than myself. And so I look forward to that with joy. And that's when I'm, I'm striving for that day. But then that day comes and goes. And then what's next? I got to plan something else. So I'm joyful again. I want to challenge us to say our strength comes from recognizing that we are rooted and established in Christ. Our joy comes from the abiding love of the Savior that has been applied to us, that when we look in his word and even see that we don't measure up, he still receives us because of his blood. And he presses us to be better and to be more like him. There's this amazing, there's this amazing quote I read that the sorrow was surface, but the joy is central. The sorrow is surface, so we'll always experience sorrow and in this world and in this life until we know Jesus Christ and he comes again and it's the fullness of all things and the restoration of all things that will be gone, praise Jesus. In this life, sorrow will be present. I'm not saying you just ignore it. Hardship still exists. But I'm calling that surface. The central thing to our life, to the core of who you are, is a joy and an abiding hope because we're rooted and established in who Christ is and in what he's done. I'm going to read for you one thing and then let's worship the Lord. This um, was not written by me, but I think it helps. And it reminds me of something, and we'll see if it reminds you of that same thing. It was a picturesque scene. The sun rising over the slopes of Olivet would fall on the gathered crowd. If the water gate was and is probable on the east side or southeast side of the city, beneath the fresh fortifications, probably, which would act as a sounding board for the reader, was set up a scaffold high above the crowd large enough to hold Ezra and 13 supporters, principal men. No doubt seven on one side of him and six on the other. Probably a name was dropped out, and the numbers were equal. There in the morning light with the new walls for a background stood Ezra on his rostrum, and amid reverent silence lifted high the sacred scroll. A common impulse swayed the crowd and brought, them to, brought all of them to their feet token at once of respect and obedient attention. Probably many of them had never seen a sacred scroll. To them, all it was was comparatively unfamiliar. 
No wonder that as Ezra's voice rose in prayer, the whole assembly fell on their faces in adoration and every lip responded, Amen, Amen. The people are being reminded of who they are covenantally by the, by the spoken law of God. And their response is sorrow at their sin, but gladness at the reinstitution of God's presence with them again. Because the temple is also reestablished. I want to fast forward, of course, what does this, anything else, does this remind you of anything else? I'm taking liberty again. I'm no theologian, but I love Jesus and I love his word. To me, immediately, it's Revelation 5. There's a scroll. There's a crowd. There's one that could take it. And we talk about this all the time. Please don't ever let it be calloused in your heart. The Lamb of God ascends and takes the scroll and reads it. And there is a response again, but this time, holy, holy, holy. So yes, I agree, amen, 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 but this time it's we see you now. You are the one that, that completes all this, all this that we've been waiting for, all the brokenness that I'm feeling, all the injustice in the world, all the frustrations of life, all the, the death that we feel and experience now. You took it, Jesus, and now I say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.